I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been Heavenly Father, we can declare that you have been faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you were faithful to us before we ever came to this earth. You watched us in our forefathers, and Lord, you saw to it that we would come. Lord, you were faithful when you wrote our names on the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, you were faithful when you called us out of a life of sin. Lord, you are faithful to make yourself known, your salvation, your saving grace. And, oh, God, the hour that we live in, 
You are faithful. You're the one. Lord, you're the shepherd, O oh Lord, that watches over the sheep. You're the one that is here. Lord, you're, you promised you would be. And tonight we just want to come thanking you for these things. Lord, as we now just turn our attention to the word, we pray that you'll take this, the thoughts, the service. Lord, increase our faith that we may serve you better in the hour we live in. May you bless everyone listening in, be it here in the congregation, those that couldn't be, those that are streaming in via the internet, Lord, bless each and every one. Bless your people wherever they're gathered. We ask now as we look into the word, your blessing be upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to Brother Isaac and the Parazucks that are musicians for us tonight. <laughs> I just happened to notice that. So, so there's, there's, a, there's a few more over here too, but that's the dual side on this, this side over here. So <laughs> it's funny the things you notice at the last minute. And then they come out. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. It's a very familiar, there's familiar portions of Scripture. We quite often start at verse 15, but sometimes it's good to just back up and see what's happening before. And I'm going to do that in another Scripture later, but Colossians 1, verse 12. <clears throat> Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. On earth today, there's two kingdoms that are happening. They're not geographical, but they're very real. And we used to serve one, but he's brought us into another. And it doesn't happen just you walk in the church, but it's a physical thing. Uh, it's not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. And I'll say the bride, as Brother Bannon would say it, knows where she's standing. Hallelujah. Let's just read one more verse. In whom he's translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, the unseen created the seen. Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. One more verse, 13, these all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were persuaded of them. They embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to go right into the subject. This will actually be 
uh, along the lines of the realities of God. Sometimes I don't like to label them, you know, the, a subject, number one, number two, number three, and, and uh, you, you go on forever because the Word of God doesn't stop. But um, I am in that vein or that thought. I'm going to read uh, two quotations first to start the service. And this first one is from the seventh seal. And Brother Branham will say this, it may be the time, it may be the hour now that this great person that we're expecting to rise on the scene may rise on the scene. And sometimes there are some ministers or men that have a lot of pride and they think, of course, I see myself in the word. You know, it's not, it's, it's greater than an individual fleshly man. And he says this, now, maybe this ministry that I've tried to take the people back to the word has laid a foundation. And if it has, I'll be leaving you for good. There won't be two of us here at the same time. If it is, he'll increase, I'll decrease. I don't know, but I've been privileged to look and see what it was unfold to that much. Now that is true. So he's talking about something that's happening but not everybody's seeing. And now he brings an example. I'm sure you've noticed the things that have happened this week. The little Collins boy that was laying here the other night, that little leukemia girl, and now he makes these statements. He says, the kingdom of God is coming. It's becoming more from the negative to the positive as it has been. In other words, it always was there, but we're moving to that. And he would say, now that oughtn't to choke people from justification to sanctification to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then hear it here, we're drawing closer to God all the time. And he talks about the Lutheran message, the sanctification, the Pentecostal message. We've had a lot of things go forth, and that's right. And he says, no matter how much it interprets this way, that way, now, if it's truth, God will finally show that it's truth. If it doesn't do that one of these days soon, my vision wasn't right. Now you see where I've played myself. So he's, he's, he's leading us into something. And the message is moving. It is always leading us. It's not stagnant. It's not like... You know, somebody will say, are you in the faith? Or are you in the message? Sometimes I actually hate, would say I despise that statement. Uh, is the message in you? Is it moving? Is it living? Is it breathing its way out? Is it manifesting itself in you? Is it declaring itself? And, and so th these are questions that are good to ask. Every one of you with me tonight. We'll just go right into it, and we'll stop on time. It's, it's summer. It's great. That's not an excuse. I, I, your soul needs to be fed. My soul needs to be fed. Who is this Melchizedek? Television does not manufacture a picture. Television only channels it into a circuit, and the television screen picks it up. But the picture is there. It's there to begin with. Television was here when Adam was here. Now he's talking about a manifestation of the fourth dimension. And he's saying, now, we have the tools in this age to pick up on that fourth dimension. 
He says, television was here when Elijah sat on Mount Carmel. Television was here when Jesus of Nazareth walked on the shores of Galilee. But we're now just discovering it. They wouldn't have believed it back there. You'd have been crazy to have said something like that. But now it's becoming a reality. Now we took that on, on, on Sunday about the fourth dimension and how it's manifesting itself. Now we see the manifestation and really the fourth dimension is a channel for the fifth, which is a demonic revelation, but a, a dimension, but it's, it's projecting itself through the fourth, and we see it manifesting on the earth around us. We see it manifesting in the lives of people. We see it manifesting in a spiritual form through the actions of people, and, and it's all around us. Listen, I, I, I'd really like to, you all to be with me. Can you all be with me, please? It's, it's manifesting around us. I'm, I'm going to back up here and slow it down now. But so is, and I'm not going to get into this fully today, but so also is the sixth dimension manifesting. The spirits of just men made perfect. We are seeing that. Now, I, I'm not going to really touch that today, but I'm going to leave that for you. I, I'm going to, I want to call this translated substance tonight. And I'm going to use this out of Hebrews chapter 11, where it would say that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, in other words, faith is a substance or a representation of something that's actually there. So in other words, if you ever, and Brother Bannon would speak in wisdom versus faith, anything that has a beginning has an ending. Anything that never had a beginning doesn't have an ending. If you ever were going to have eternal life, you had to be in the thoughts of God. You had to be in the mind of God. Now, now, this is on a higher level than could be ministered in the days of Luther or Wesley. But it, it can be ministered now, and it needs to be ministered now, because we've got to overcome the enemy. And we need to have faith. Now, I'm, I'm, I, I, I wish I could just say, listen, I'm going to teach, and I'm going to try and slow down, because I just feel sometimes we need to just lay in the Word. And that's what I want to do. I don't want to... There's other times that we... we, we Say, let's, 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 let's focus in. Now, Brother Branham would say, faith, or the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, and, and, and that's a principle that applies to anything. That's why they have commercials. That's why they have um, uh, advertisements. That's why whenever you watch something, they project things because it actually works. Uh, you know, you, you, you know they'll, they'll put it and you'll buy things that you didn't even think you would buy because you've seen an advertisement or something of it. And, and they'll, they'll draw you in with that. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith worketh by love. When the, and then Brother Branham would, would, well, no, Jesus would say, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So faith, sometimes we, we get the feeling, get more faith. You know, we feel like it's a workup. And, and, and we try to sometimes get spiritual 
And depending on our makeup, maybe we get emotional. Maybe we, maybe we, if, if we have a conscience and, 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 and um, there's something wrong, then, then, then that hinders us from maybe moving into the steps of faith. Maybe it's, it's based on works. If I do this, therefore I'm entitled and I have faith. Now, now all of those things have a basis. But in the message, faith is a substance. Brother Branham would, would say it this way. And, and I, I appreciate the, the solidness of him way back. He'll say, and he's speaking on a message, have faith in God. He said, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Faith is also an experience. Many times faith is had by a former experience makes faith grow. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So many people fail to find the real meaning of what faith is. Some people believe that faith is a sensation or some emotion. But the Bible said that faith is the substance of things hoped for. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to just say it. It's a distraction in the service if you're doing other things. Okay? Let's focus. I, 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 I'm just being honest. It's grieving to me. Now, many people, the Bible said that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, some things that it's a mental conception of the word... But that's not right. Faith is a substance. Faith is not a myth. Faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for. It, it must be a substance. So let, let, me, let me put it in this terms. And I thought of this earlier today as I was walking. And I, and I just would say, uh, as I, Brother Adam would talk about all the chickens that are in a chicken yard. And there was a duck in the middle of them. And one day the, the chickens all got close to water. Well, the chickens didn't have a pull or attraction to the water, but the duck did. And it sniffed it, and it went for it right away. So it actually had something in it that identified with something. It wasn't trying to make something. It was real. And I'd say, faith is real. And if you're a son of God, there's something in you that seizes it and grabs a hold of it. And it's not based on what everybody else is doing. It's not based on what the rest of the farmyard is doing or the chicken yard. But it's based on something that's in you. So, now he'll, he'll say, now, it's not something that you have to push yourself to. I've noticed in my meetings, many people try to work themselves up into something to make them believe. You can't do that. You're just beating the air. Listen, I'm just trying to, to teach and, and allow you all to, because I need this, we all need this. He said, faith is something that's just as calm and settled as it can be. Now, <coughs> it's taking God at his word and having an assurance in your heart that God is able to keep what he said and that he will do everything that he said he would. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Instead of going to verse 30, we're going to go earlier as well. So we'll, we'll start reading from verse 5. Luke 
And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. So Jesus gives him this principle. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'd say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. So he's saying the smallest of faith would be able to do that. But now he just stops and he goes back. Okay, and now faith is based on God's word and the principles of God's word. And he would say, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, he said, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird myself and serve me till I've eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. And, and, and does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So he's giving a principle how if you're in service, you're, you're service to something, you're subject to something, you, you do what you're told, and then you, you, you will reap the benefit thereof. So you, you can't just have faith and, you know, I, I just came off the street and I, 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 I want to preach. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. I, I want to sing a special or I, I want to do this. No, it, you actually need to have faith to move into it. So he says, now I, I say likewise to you, when you shall have done all these things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So there's a humility. There's something that's associated with it that, that, that goes. So I, I'm, I'm just going to use a few scriptures. So Jesus is relating a principle of authority. Now, if I can, I'm going to go just a little further down into to the next part of this because he talks about um, 10 men that were healed of leprosy. It came to pass, in verse 11, that as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, here is a group of people. They recognize Jesus. Maybe they've heard it. And they recognize within him is healing. Within him is all of these things. And they said, have mercy. And he saw them and he said unto them, go and show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. The law was, was in, in the law, you could go to the priest, you could be healed, he would discern things. But he says, now go and do that, and he sh show themselves. And, and, so, and they were cleansed. As they were obedient, they actually had faith, and there was a cleansing. There was a deliverance. There was something that happened. Pardon me if this is going to be very simple just for a little while, but it will be. And, and I think the word of God is simple, and we can lay a hold of it. And it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he said, and, and when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, and he fell down on his, on his, at his, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And then the scripture identifies, and he was a Samaritan. 
So he wasn't steeped in, in the Jewish tradition or, or things. It was something that welled up within him. It was, it was just pure before God. And, 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 he was, and Jesus answering him and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? And he says, They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. So each had a measure of faith. Each received something. But the next statement is actually quite amazing. He says, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You've garnered more than all the others did. Now we remember in the Bible that there was others at the time of Jesus and at his appearing, I think there was 500 something or other and, and Jesus gave them command after he had died and, and had arisen again and, and as, after he had arisen again, he gave them commandment and said, go and wait in Jerusalem. Well, 500 something, but only 120 showed up in the upper room. And, and, and it's the same thing. Under a meeting and under an emotion and, and when things are happening, that, that's a wonderful thing. God is dealing with hearts. But if you don't continue in faith, you can lose the benefit of faith. If you, if you, if you don't walk in, in a continuance, there, there's something that, that a, a real child of God will want to carry on. Now, listen, we all have our ups and our downs. And, 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 and we don't just live from convention to convention and special meeting to special meeting and special speaker to special speaker. But the amazing thing to me in the book of Acts is when they had the mighty experience, on the next day, the disciples, at the hour of prayer, they were going to the temple. They didn't just say, wow, God delivered us. We're free from anything. No, they continued in the Word. And we need to continue in the Word. And in other words, pick up your Bible and read your Bible and, and listen to tapes and, and, and do these things. There, there's tremendous instruction. And, and, and what's happening every time you read your Bible and pray? You know, Charles Spurgeon was a tremendous speaker in England. And they asked him, what's more important, reading your Bible or praying? And he says, well, I'll ask you a question. What's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Uh, they're both important. <laughs> hey, if you mix both together, it'll draw you closer to God. If, you're fine, if you develop good habits, if you develop discipline, I think there's a place in, in, in the book of Acts about the men of Berea, I believe is what they were called. They were more noble than those that were at Thessalonica or however it's pronounced in that they were daily reading and in the Word. So the Bible refers to them as more noble. You know, what, what was, what was uh, Philip when he was caught away uh, from the revival meeting and he went all the way down to a certain thing? He found a man uh, uh, reading his Bible or the scrolls as it was known in that day. And it was Isaiah 53 and he, he's reading his Bible. Now, what if he wasn't reading his Bible? But, but he catches him in the place, and the man is looking for more. But Philip had the current revelation. The man was in the Word, and he was in the Word. But it needed God to shed light on that Word. And Philip had the light. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just using this a little bit now. Here, here is all of these, these, these ten lepers <coughs> in obedience 
but faith made them whole. There, there's, um, I'm going to read something here Brother Branham would, would share in the Hebrews message, and, and uh, he talks about it. Now, one great neglect among us, one great thing that we don't have much of, that we don't have much of, is the anemic condition of the church. The church is failing, and he said, here's one thing. We go too much on evidences. Just, just think about this for a minute. This is, this is teaching. Luther said, the just shall live by faith. He thought he had it. Wesley said, when you got just enough salvation to get sanctified, you're a good Methodist, that's pretty good. You got enough faith to get sanctified and get to shouting, Nazarene, Pilgrim, Holiness, Meth glory to God, you have it. But you found out you didn't have it. You did a lot of things after you shouted you shouldn't have done. You backslid. You went back. You Pentecostals, you got to speaking in tongues. Oh, brother, I, we got it now. But you find out you didn't. And he says, God is love. The fruits of the Spirit is love. Where there's knowledge, it'll vanish. It'll educate your preacher. So in, in this, just this last example, and I just was thinking about God did a work for these, these, these ten lepers. One of them continued. And, 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 and I would just say, you know, the Bible say, let's just turn quickly, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. <coughs> let's just read verses 1 to 3. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or reward. So now uh, Paul is, is writing, we ought to be more steadfast. If we neglect so great a salvation, which was at first, was confirmed by them that heard him, he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which was confirmed by them? So neglect. Now, now just listen, listen, just think about the principle of these lepers. They were healed, but one of them came back and he was made fully whole. Brother Branham says this in the Hebrews chapter 2 book. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such? You neglect to eat, you will die. You neglect to turn a corner, you will wreck. You neglect to milk the cow, she'll go dry. You neglect your teeth, you'll have to have them pulled out. Certainly, you pay for your neglection. And then he says, Oh, Branham Tabernacle, and you visitors, let me tell you something. You neglect to testify of the glory of God. You neglect to give God the praise in your gl and glory. You'll find yourself cold, formal, backslidden one of these days. My goodness. How often do we repeat what the devil says? And, and you, woe is me, and what was this? But accordingly, if we begin in the midst of sometimes great trial, but if we begin to rehearse the words of God, do it in your prayer life. Don't just say, Lord, you can tell the Lord your trouble, but say, but Lord, you also said, and you also did this, and God loves to be reminded of his word. 
the eternal God who, who sometimes, as they said in the dark ages, seems like he was oblivious to the cries of his children and what they were going through. But what turns the heart of the eternal God? When you're down here, it's faith in his word. That causes him to come on the scene. Just repeat his word. How much has been made of Sister Hattie Wright? She said the right words. It brought God on the scene. If you live in a thought world where the words will come out, because before a word is ever a word, it has to be a thought first. And the place and the atmosphere you live in will be where your thoughts are. And if your thoughts are on worldly things, it, you know, you might repeat all the right phrases in the message, but it doesn't move God one bit because it has to come from down deep. It has to come from somewhere where God says, yes, that's it. Now, so he says, give God the praise. Now, I'm going to turn, ask you to turn Matthew chapter 7. I really don't have time to lay the framework for all of this, but, you know, it was the prophets that were there. They were hiding God in, in a veil, and they were the word of God. They were the light of God for their day, for their hour. And, and, and how Brother Branham would say Ezekiel, um, he called him son of man. He was, he was beginning to pre project, God project himself to man. And he, and he said, son of man. And he say, and, and, and Ezekiel, he would say, uh, in, in, in one of the quotations, Brother Ram says, but Ezekiel, as a prophet, he would lift him up into the heavenly realms. He would let him look around. He said, it's not like he was showing him some new thing, but it was something that was already there. The word of God was before the foundation of the world. So he lifts him up. He shows them. Brother Bram said, a true prophet goes beyond the rhythm of the people, goes beyond the church, goes beyond the thoughts of the age. And he goes up into a place with God and God alone, and he sees the word of God, and he brings it back down. And he speaks, he speaks what he saw. It's already there. And he speaks it with such force. And there's people on earth that are there to receive it and say, that's the truth. And so what are they receiving? Something from a place that they can't see, a place that they can't physically hear, nothing they can touch, but something that's real in another dimension. And a prophet comes down and a people hear it. Friends, where we're living today, it's real. I believe when Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time and he said, I saw some of you there. I believe we were there. So Ezekiel would come down. All these would, co would, would come down. Isaiah, different ones, different times, different seasons. But then came the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the disciples came up in, in, in Matthew chapter 17. It wasn't all of them. It was Peter, James, and John, I believe. But... And they were there, and it was at Mount Transfiguration, and a light came, and Peter said, let's build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And a voice came down, this is my son, now hear ye him. 
So he had authority beyond that which the prophets had. He manifest in a son of man body and a ministry, but he was greater than all the prophets. So he had authority. Now, verse, Matthew 7, verse 29. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, their school of learning was through the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They didn't know where he got his authority. They didn't know by what means, but he had an authority, and that authority came down from God. Now, I'm using that, chapter 8, verse 1. He came down from the mountain, great multitude, a leper worshipped him, said, Lord, if you will, make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, I will, be thou clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said, see thou tell no man, go thy way, show yourself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now, I'm setting up for this one, chapter, in verse 5. Jesus entered into Capernaum. There was a centurion beseeching him, said, Lord, now a centurion, as the Roman soldier, century means a hundred. Centurion meant this was a man that was over a hundred people. And he said, and he, and he sees something in Jesus now, now, I want you to think, he saw something that related to where he was at. And he said, this guy's got authority. And he says, now, Lord, my servant lays at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus, because Jesus is going to the Jewish people, but this man was a Gentile. He's going to say, I will come and heal him. So Jesus offers just like he did with the lepers, just like he did with this other leper, just like he did with Jairus, just like he did with all the other Jews. I'll come and I'll touch him. Now we're talking faith. And, and, and this man answers and says, Jesus, I'll come and heal him. The centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy. Now here's, here's an approach. Humble. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But just speak the word. And speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now, he's saying, why am I saying this? Verse, verse 9. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said unto them that followed. Now he's talking about levels of faith. And he said, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. Now I'm just going to stop there, and I'm going to go forward to the book of Mark for a moment. Mark chapter 5. Now, Mark chapter 5. Now, now, Jesus talks for a moment, and, 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 or Brother Branham talks for a moment, and he talks about this centurion. He said, look at this attitude of this centurion. As long as you're feeling unworthy of the blessing you're asking, you're pretty apt to get it. But when you get to the place you think God just owes it to you, you're mistaken. We're in debt to God, not God in debt to us. And he says, now this man, everything was based on God's word. 
You know, and, and he talks and what was true. And, and he says, the word can't teach it any, way, any other way. So now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this here because this is important. Matthew, Mark chapter, did I say Mark chapter 5, verse 22. And so Jesus is now, he is, he's, he's walking and it says, and, and he'd, he'd gone by a ship to the other side. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. So this is a Jewish man. He's, he's part of the synagogue. And, and he's saying, come and lay hands on her and she's going to live. And so now Jesus is on his way there. And as he's going, there's a whole bunch of people following. So he's on his way to Jairus' house. Along the way, here comes this woman who had an issue of blood. And, and, and now, now Jesus is going one way. But this woman, she didn't get a chance to talk to him. She didn't get a chance to do these things. He didn't even get him to say, here's my case. Here's what I do. But she just believed if I could just touch him. If I could just touch him. Now, the Bible, like it's amazing how it says there's a throng of people. There was many people followed him and thronged him. And, and here's this woman, and she, she came and she just didn't even touch his flesh. She touched his garment, it says. And straight, because she thought in herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. Now, what faith was that? And, and, and then straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up in verse 29. Jesus felt something go out from him. Now, this isn't just, okay, faith is just something you pull out of the air. It actually has a place. It actually has representation somewhere. If you're here tonight and you're a part of the kingdom of God, he is the high priest. He can be touched by the feeling of your infirmities. He he is willing to give out of himself if we're willing to make contact with him. And, and whatever that channel is, it doesn't mean that you need to have so-and-so pray for you. It doesn't mean you need to be a special meeting. Faith knows no boundaries. Verse 21, the disciple said, you see this multitude, who, what do you mean, who touched you? Something happened inside of me. And he's saying, and, this, and he looked around to see who did this. And the woman was fearing and trembling and told him everything. And he says in verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I'm, I'm going over this as part of a number of them. So I, I, we really could spend time with them in an evangelistic type service, but, but we're just laying some principles. And I, I want to just bring what faith is. Now, let, let, me, let me read what Brother Branham would say. See, faith is based on what he has done, not on what I can do or anyone else. If you can appropriate faith... And have faith to believe what he has done this or done for you. Then individually healing will be there. It will not fail. So have faith in God. 
And he says, God has set preachers in the church. There's pastors here, wonderful men of God, anointed of God. They have as much right to pray for the sick as anyone else. The pastor, every member, gifts of healing works in the church. Now, whatever God leads your soul to believe. And, and, and there are times when you, you come in a service and you feel like this is right for me. This is God and saying, I've got to respond. I've got to do it. So the human thinking and reasoning would say, it's just a Wednesday night. Now I'm going to share a little testimony of Sister Becky Hildebrandt. When she was in Calgary. And, and she had, at that time, had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And, and it was a Wednesday night. It was a service, just like any other service. Brother Ken Boyer was still alive at that time. And she comes to church, and he's sitting there in the song service. And while she's sitting in the song service, all of a sudden, something in her just rises and says, stand up. And, and she wouldn't be prone to do that, but she stood up, and she just started worshiping God, and she felt something just sweep over her. Now, she responded to where God was moving in that service, and, 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 and it, was, it wasn't even the preaching yet. It wasn't the after service. It wasn't a prayer line, but it was faith working in the service. And, 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 and then as she's sitting there and it's being preaching, she's, she's just kind of doubting what happened. And, and something said, just, just, just feel back here. And, and she says, whatever those lumps were, they were gone. Now, now I'm, I'm just saying, God can do anything. God is willing to do anything. But are we in the channel where we're willing to accept anything? Now, I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to... To do it, so our faith is not just built on a special meeting or a certain individual, but faith is based on the authority of God's word and what He's done. Now He says, Bocherius, <coughs> I'm just going to go to. It. So now, while all of this happened with this woman, now the ruler of the somebody from the ruler of the synagogue, which is Jarius's house, verse thirty-five. He said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, because the ruler of the synagogue thought, you know what, if we could have just gone to my house, if this woman wouldn't have interrupted us, like, I don't know what the thoughts were. And, And look at what stumbles our faith sometimes. But remember what I said at the beginning, faith is calm. Faith is based on No, the eternal God is here. There's no circumstance. There's no time. I I, I don't have to move my feet in a certain way. I believe God. I believe what he can do for me. I believe it in in any situation. We've had situations at home, sometimes within our home. And... And, 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 and there's been pain, and we just laid hands on our children. We've la- laid hands on my wife, or I've had them pray for me. And I believe God hears that. Why? Because there's virtue in the believer. The virtue of Christ is there, and it's there for one another. But, but Jairus had to go through all of these things, and even Jesus had to help his faith. Don't worry about it. Only believe. And now he says, now he didn't have the throng anymore. He said he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to Jairus' house, and here's like a great uproar, and people are weeping and wailing. 
That isn't faith. Noise doesn't mean faith necessarily. And I'm not saying it doesn't either. And then he was come and he said to them, what make his, why you make you this ado and weep? And he just, you know, he's, he's in a different world. He's, he's maybe seen a vision already. And the vision that God showed him, he said, the damsel is not dead, but she sleeps. And they go, oh, they started laughing. And they laughed him to scorn. Now, faith can't work in an atmosphere of unbelief. Brother Manum would talk about in the adoption series, and he refers to Achan, how one man, one man, are, are we all listening? One man caused the whole program of God to fail. And then he goes right down and he says, and it could be one of you in this service right now that will cause somebody's healing to fail. Why? Because you're not in tune with what God is doing. That's pretty serious. Now what's Jesus doing here? Friends, I I don't want to be caught one day and saying, you know, I I was in a service and and I I just was flippant, say, say it that way, and, and Jesus said, I was ready to move, but my spirit couldn't get past what you were doing. Do you want to be guilty of that? I don't want to be guilty of that. And, and now he says here, and they laughed him to scorn. So, so Jesus said, just hush a little bit. I need to pray. No, he put them all out. He just said, forget it. He says, you all get out. Give me the father, the mother, my disciples. Where's the damsel? And he took the damsel by the hand, verse 41, Talithia komai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Now, I, I want to read what, what, what Brother Branham would say, and, and there's a couple of messages that he speaks. But he says, The woman that touched his garment never even put his hands, he never even put his hands on her. Now that's a a level of faith. The Roman centurion said, I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof. You speak the word, it'll be so. That's where his faith was. But Jairus being a Jew, now he's, he's making a distinction, He was taught that laying of hands and so forth, come lay your hands, Jesus went over and put his his hands on her. But the dying Gentile boy, he just said, speak the word, it'll be that way. So, So Brother Bam says, now we in America have been taught that you've got to lay your hands on them. Now, I'm, I'm gonna qualify this in a minute, but I'm I'm just trying to put a balance to where we're at. He says. That's the Jewish idea. That's not the Gentile doctrine. He says, a greater faith is just speak the word. See, it was never laying on of hands. That was a Jewish tradition. Never was given to the Gentiles. Now, I'm going to just qualify and say, well, Brother Ed, you don't believe in laying? No, I do. But I'm just saying, we're moving higher all the time. We won't be able to go to a special meeting with Brother Ron Spencer or Brother Tim Pruitt. We have to lift our faith for where we're at. We we can't go where Brother Branham was. I can't go back to those meetings. But the faith has been left for us to be able to move higher. 
And I say that faith is resident in every meeting, if, if, if we allow it to be. If our expectation is for that. You know, there's one big difference sometimes for, for a special meeting and for a regular service, and the biggest thing is expectation. I'm just trying to lift your expectation. God can work in any service at any time. I think it was about a year and a half, two years ago, we played the, the, the tape or the, the video of uh, Sister Alana um, in, in, what's her last name? But Sister Alana Butts. You know, it was, it was just a, a service, and Brother Tim Pruitt said, God is doing extreme things. And he's just starting to speak. And all of a sudden, Sister Alana, like out of nowhere, she's never done it. She started going down the aisle and, and her hands, and she's just around the whole church. She had cancer in her lungs. It was filled. She was given nothing. But all of a sudden, something struck her and took her over. And she went back to the doctor just a few days later, and they took an x-ray, and it was gone. It was completely gone. That's the God we serve. Friends, he's not moved by, by what we think he is. He's moved by faith and responding to him. I want to call Jesus on the scene. So Timothy, Jesus, Jesus Brother Adam would say here, that, that's, a, that's an American, or that's, that's the Jewish tradition brought over to America. I mean, let's call it Canada too. But he says, really, it's a higher level than that. Now, I, Timothy would also go and say, yeah, we need to lay hands on people. Not everybody's at the same level of faith. Sometimes you need to, to know, hey, if two or three gather together, and sometimes that link is by laying hands. So these things we will still do. But we're also projecting higher than that. And, and that we don't stay at that place, but that we move higher all the time. So, so if, we, if, we, if we go this way, he says, and then and Brother Adam here refers to the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost. They went down to, and they went to the Jews. They had to lay hands on them to receive it. But when they went to the Samaritans, they had to lay hands on them. But when they came to the Gentiles, Cornelius' house, while Peter spake these words... No laying on of hands. The Holy Ghost came upon them. Friends, I find our, our biggest obstacle, and even for our young people and things, is, well, I'm scared of what the Holy Ghost is going to make me do. The real, genuine Holy Ghost will bring you in love with Jesus. It'll bring you into relationship. It'll bring you to a place where the reality of God comes to you. And you know I am not a part of this earth. I am not just like anybody else. I belong to God. He is mine and I am His. That's the Holy Ghost. Now, whatever else he decides to do, if you weep, if you cry, if you testify, whatever it is, but I say, get the Holy Ghost. Get to that place, and then he'll do the rest. Amen. Hebrews, if we can, Hebrews chapter 6. <coughs> Paul is speaking, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works 
and of faith towards God. He's saying, now, there's some faith associated with repentance, but it's not just a cycle that we're to dwell in. I will say, we've been sitting a long time under this message. And it's, Jesus is not coming back for an immature bride. He's not coming back for somebody that just barely, you know, I don't know how I'll ever make it or do this, but he's coming back for a people that know their God. He's coming for a people that have lived and walked in the Word. They're not dabbling with one foot in the world. Their thoughts are, aren't, aren't just in worldly things, but their thoughts are actually on God. Ah, listen, don't be condemned if you're not thinking on Him 24-7. That's not the point. We live in the world. But I'll say this, your desires actually change. Something physically happens. Now, I related this testimony of Brother Barry Coffey, how he had, when, when he had time and time again tried to give up smoking and cigarettes and different things. But he says, when God finally met him, and he was walking down the road, and he had his old jacket in, and he had some cigarette butts in, or a pack of cigarettes in there, and all of a sudden it condemned him and it struck him. And he went and he threw it in the garbage right away. And he said, and he went on, he said he realized there was a difference. Because oftentimes in the past he went back and retrieved them. But this time he, he shunned them. He didn't want them to happen. What happened inside? What happened in the spirit realm? It wasn't just a change of thought. It wasn't just educated. But something from another dimension came down into him. A substance that was real. A part of him that had representation came into him. And I'll say this, and I, I'm not even getting to the thought tonight, but who is this Melchizedek? The quote I just read, the angels are here, television is here. He says, so is your theophany being. Now, I'm, I, this is a whole other level to this, but if you have a theophany being, and Brother Manum will make it this way, it's like the eagle in the chicken yard. And he says, you know, you stop eating with the chickens, you start going this, your desires actually change. You don't even like to do the things you do, went to do. It's actually something that happens. And Brandon says, you left off the other thing and you went to this. What is it? You heard from your theophany. It's actually a part of you in another dimension. And I say this, as we get closer to the rapture, your theophany and your physical being start to get closer and closer together. You ever watch a saint that's dying or, or coming to their last days on earth? There's something about them that gets sweeter. They get more tender. Just three weeks ago, out of my grandmother who came with nine children from Europe, the first of the nine children passed away. My uncle passed away. And my mom is, he was 90. My mom is next, she's 89. My mom has said, I'm still here for a purpose. But, but she would say, I'm ready to go. I've been ready for whenever I need to go. And now she tells me, I don't know what it is, but I hear singing in the house sometimes. There's a dimension that's breaking, friends. It's real. I don't know how many remember Sister Noreen Stewart. But Sister Noreen, sometimes when she would sing a special, she would enter into another place. And her voice, it wasn't just a gift that was naturally being an entertainment for us, but it was a channel for the Holy Spirit to flow through.
And I'll say that that Holy Spirit is that real. And I remember we used to sit just, just right here in, 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 the, in, the, in these first few pews. Sister Noreen sat up in front. But the last few months before Sister Noreen passed, she was there earlier. She was kneeling in prayer. And there was a difference about her. There's others that would share testimonies. I won't repeat them. I wasn't there for them. But it's, friends, it's a real place. There's a substance somewhere. The, the contact is faith. And, and, and listen, all of these political agendas that are sweeping the earth, you know, you, you, you can call it the, uh, uh, the Davos Conference and all that they're trying to bring together and all these people and all the things they're trying to put on the world, the changes to the economic system, the changes to technology and all of these things, they'll all pass. They'll pass, but the Word of God will endure forever. The Word of God. God had in His mind something that was real, and it was being projected to this age. Now, the devil's projecting a lot of things, and we're seeing them. We're seeing the manifestation of those things. It used to be, you know, whatever it was, Brother Branham would, would, would talk about it, and he would talk about it in his day and his age, and he would talk about Marilyn Monroe, the modern striptease of the day. I mean, that's child's play to today. He would talk about Elvis Presley and Pat Boone. And Elvis Presley, whatever you do, he says, don't name your child Elvis. If you knew the numerology of it. And, and, and Elvis, he would, he would just say, that man, he was a Pentecostal and he sold himself out for a world earthly kingdom. It was a manifestation. Elvis spawned the Beatles. The Beatles spawned other rock stars. You know, Marilyn Monroe spawned this. I, I remember, you know, they've all passed. You think, oh, Brother Ed, you're ancient. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, it goes generation to generation. The generation I grew up, they had, they had a woman who, who her name was Farrah Fawcett, had her poster everywhere. She, she was there. We had, they had, Elvis was called the king. Well, they had a guy called the prince, which was Michael Jackson. And it was amazing because within a week, Another Marilyn Monroe, which was Farrah Fawcett, and another prince of rock and roll died within a week of each other. And it was some years back. Now there's even more manifestation. Oh, friends, it's... Hell has enlarged itself. The spirits are streaming into the earth. I'm not here to, to, to do that, but don't, don't get caught up in these things. One thing will keep you. Is, is God's word and the recognition of your place in God's word. And I'll say this, it's no longer, well, you know, my, my, my grandma was a woman of faith, I'll just lean on her. It wasn't my mom's a woman of faith. No, I'm one of them. I am not just looking back. I am not just pointing, well, I listen to the tapes and I do this. No, I know I'm one of them. And I say, you can all have that testimony. And you need that testimony because you're going to encounter spirits. And I, if, you're, if you're really one of them, you'll know. Hey, uh, one, one way you'll know is how, how often the devil attacks you. And that's real to me. But it's also real to me how, how real God is. And how mindful God is. Now, <coughs> I'm going to finish this quote. Now, go back to verse 1. Leaving the principles of the doctrine, let's go on to perfection, not laying the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Verse 2, of the doctrine of baptisms 
and of laying of hands, on laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, verse 3. And Paul said, this we will still do, if God permit. But we're moving higher too. Are, are you with me? I, I find the enemy sometimes wants to stir things up. And, and, and he'll, he'll make it and say, well, we don't believe in prayer lines. And then other people will say, that's, that's what we believe in. That's, that's the primary thing. Listen, I think we can be mature enough to say, if, if God wants to have a prayer line, let's have a prayer line. And, and if he, but it, to, to say that's all we need, no. It's higher than that. I think the Bible teaches us that. I think if you're mature, you know that. I'm, I'm just trying to allow you all to contact God in the way that you, he can contact you. Let me, let me take just a few thoughts, and this will start going into Sunday, just these last few thoughts. We took, we took the perfect remembrance of God, and we talked about the circle of eternity. And then this little loop called time that came down. But then it goes all back into eternity. So the eternal God had eternal thoughts. He... he Brother Branham would speak in, in the message and he would, would talk in um, wisdom versus faith. And I'll just read, read something from it. He said, there's two sources that are introduced to the human race. One is faith and the other is wisdom and it started right in Genesis. Now, he'd say, the only way we can live is to have eternal life if we were part of the eternal. And the only way you'll be part of the eternal in this little loop of time, because you came that way, you didn't, you bypassed your theophany, but he said in that Christ came and left a blood streak right through that little thing. And that blood streak, he says, one day God's going to pull all that were attached to that blood streak, he'll pull it back into the circle, and eternity will go on again. So there has to be more than good works. There has to be more than, than just emotion. There has to be a reality that you're tied to Christ because he'll pull you back in one day. Now, I, I, I want to take, take this for a moment. Brother Bram would say, are the thoughts of God eternal? yes. God is unchangeable in essence and behavior. He's infinite in his abilities. So he's not taking new thoughts. He's not, uh, he's omniscient. He's not taking counsel with himself, hmm, you know, such and such. In other words, he never had a new thought. The thoughts of God are eternal. They are real. I, 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 I want you just to think about this, not just for Brother Branham, but for yourself. Because we can talk about the opening of the seals and, and it can mean different things. Oh, I don't understand that. It's, it's way out there. And, oh, you know, or I, I got this. I read that once or this. But, but look what it did to Brother Branham. It caused something so real to him that he said, now let them challenge me. And then he also attributes something to himself and he said, I am not the son of of Charles and Ella Branham. Now, 
yeah, the birth records show it, Brother Brown. No, there's something more real that's overtaken me. Now, that ought to be for all of us. I, I was born here, and you could say, I was born in this family, and I got to go to this church, and I got to do these. Uh, it's, it's bigger than that. And I would say there's a reality that goes beyond that. So he, now, Brother Bram is talking here in the church, the thoughts of God, they are real. It's like a man that has a blueprint. One day, they'll be translated into substance and form. But they are already real and eternal and part of God. I, I, I don't know. There was a place in a service and Brother Branham was in a vision. And, and, and he would just make a statement. I just saw Adam in the vision and how he came down to Eve and how he took her to himself. And he begins weeping. Friends, it's not a story. It's a reality. And that same prophet, God allowed him to be the eyes to another dimension. And he says, beyond the curtain, I've seen some of you there. And then he goes, oh, friends, there was thousands of them. Whatever you do, don't miss it. And, and they had to, he said, what is this? He said, this is what you preached was perfect love. Now, I'm, I'm saying, we seem so far away from it in a service like this, but it's real. And I would say, you may catch a little glimpse of it. It may happen in the morning as you're reading your Bible. It may be as you go to bed tonight, but stay in that realm, not that you're working yourself up, but say, God, make yourself more real to me. Let me know who I am in you. I, I think that we're, we're not here to educate people into the message. Yeah, we've got to teach. We've got to do things. But we're here that they may know the living God that lives and is real. Let me, let me finish this few thoughts and then we'll, we'll just close. So God always had thoughts for Adam, but the thoughts were unexpressed. And he, he refers to Psalms 139, one of my favorite scriptures. But he says, down through the centuries ago, we find a Moses, a Jeremiah, a John the Baptist. These were God's eternal thought expressed in its season. Then we come to Jesus, the Logos. He was that perfect and complete thought expressed. And he will become known as the Word. What he is, he will forever be. And then he refers to him. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That means you were right there with him in the mind and the thoughts of God before the foundation of the world. That gives an eternal quality to the elect. You can't get away from it. Musicians can come. I, I would, would just say, somewhere in your life, let there be something that says, Lord, I, let me, if, 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 you, if you don't know him, and I'm not asking for a show of hands today, but can I leave you with this? I, I don't know, Brother Ed. I, it seems so far. He seems so far from me. There's so many things wrong in my life or something. But say, Lord, could you make yourself more real to me? I, I, if you come to him honestly, I believe he'll meet you honestly. A broken and a contrite spirit he will not despise. I really feel like I'm cutting it off, but since I did that on Sunday, I'll do it again today. And we'll just pick it up again. 
Brother Obed will be proud of me. <laughs> oh, let's stand together. I'm living by faith. <coughs> I'm living by faith in Jesus above. I'm trusting, confiding in His great love. I'm safe from all harm in His sheltering arms. I'm living by. Bye.